0: right into our 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 message and it's going to be in second kings chapter 20 verse 1 through 11 it's going to come up on the board there it is okay so um about that time hezekiah became deathly ill and the prophet isaiah son of amos went to visit him he gave the king the message this is what the lord says set your affairs in order for you're going to die you will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, "Remember, O Lord, how I've how I've always been faithful to you and how I've served you single-mindedly, doing what pleases you." Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle of the courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord, "Go back to Hezekiah the leader of my people tell him this is what the lord the god of your ancestor david says i have heard your prayer and i have seen your tears i will heal you and 3 days from now you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the lord and i will add 15 years to your life and i will rescue you and this city from the king of assyria i will defend them for my own honor and for the sake of my servant david then isaiah said make an ointment from figs So Hezekiah's servants spread ointment over him, and Hezekiah recovered. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, What sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, This is a sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he has promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward ten steps or backwards ten steps? The shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. Make it 10 steps backwards instead. So Isaiah, the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backwards on the sundial. Let's pray with me. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this word. Um, thank you for what you're doing um, in the lives, and the lives of our students and our hearts. Father, I pray that your, your spirit comes and just dwells in this place right now. Holy Spirit, we just come and fill our minds, fill our hearts. Lord, get rid of any distraction that is, that is keeping us from, from hearing what you have to say and your truth. Now if you guys take a moment, just pray over me. Lord, we thank you and we love you. Lord, please speak to us today. Pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So we just read this crazy story, and just to give you guys a little bit of background of, of the Book of Kings, it's two books: First Kings, Second Kings. Um, but if you read it, it's all just one big story, and it's and it's about it's about all the kings of Israel that followed after after David's death, and the story story doesn't go well. Um, all these kings that followed after David didn't obey God's word and didn't follow it to the dot. They did the things their own way. They were idolaters. They got, in, got into relationships with other kingdoms and just didn't do things the way the law was written and how God designed it to be. And in all this, David, his plan was for his people to one day build god's temple and that one day the messianic king would come and rule over everyone and that they would all live in perfect peace that was that was david's dream that was when he died like this is this is what i hope happens but it didn't Uh, although his son did complete the temple but again other kings followed afterwards that didn't 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 do what what David had planned. And in fact, they ran the, the nation of Israel straight to the ground with just the, the, the sin that they were living in. So we have the kings in the north that were the bad kings, and then we had some kings in, in, the, sou- in the southern kingdom that were, that were better, that were good kings. Um, and the book of kings introduces the prophets and the role of the prophets. And the prophets were just, you know, they were... Teachers, they were appointed by God and not to, not to be like the mean persons to come in. They weren't like sorcerers or anything, but they were filled with God's will and they spoke to the people and they would tell them, look, repent. This isn't what God wants for you. This is not what God intended. You guys need to repent and turn back to his ways and go back like, like King David um, in, in his reign when everything was, was good. So the prophets were there to keep things in check, were, were there to challenge the people to, to repent and to turn back to God. And then during this time right now in, in, in chapter 20, there's a, there's a kingdom that, that is about to overtake Israel and, it's, and they were the Assyrians and the Assyrians were very angry people and just took over everything and they were about to take... Um, Israel and Jerusalem over, and K- King Hezekiah is is worried about that. So when so when we read earlier and and we say this is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. Like that's scary. Imagine someone coming up to you and being like, Hey Kyle, you're gonna, sorry buddy, but you're gonna die and set your things in order. Isn't that scary? Like wh- wouldn't you feel scared? I would feel scared. I would not be okay with that especially if i have a kingdom or a family or kids and you're going to leave everyone behind that's scary and yet here 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 a prophet comes and tells him isaiah or um, hezekiah set your things in order because the lord has your illness that you have right now is is going to kill you and something that struck me is 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 this even though King Hezekiah was a faithful king who trusts God, even though like, there was armies that were going to come knocking and take Jerusalem, he still trusts him. And I love, love that he humbles himself before God. And he prays for, div- for divine deliverance from the Assyrian army and that his city, by some way, shape, or form, could be miraculously saved from this and we see it in verse three, and I love how he prays. Listen, listen to this. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you, and have served you single mindedly always doing what pleases you. And he broke down, and he wept bitterly. Whoa, that's intense, that's intense. And, and I love how, how, how he says that, because he, he says it in such a way that he's almost kind of like, not complaining, but just remembering and asking God, Lord, remember what I've done. I've been good to you. I've served you well. I've done everything that you've asked me, single-mindedly, always looking to you and trusting you. Lord, please, you can hear it in, in his prayer. He doesn't say it, but he's like, I've served you well, but almost please save me save me. He doesn't say it here, but you can, you, can, you can hear it by the way he prays, and he wept bitterly, and it wasn't shortly after where Isaiah had just given him the news, like, you're, you're gonna die, and Hezekiah prays, and Isaiah's not even out the door where, where the Lord turns back. He's like, Isaiah, not yet. Go back. Go back. Have something for, for, for Hezekiah, and he tells them in verse, oh, I lost it. Anyways, small writing. There it is. I'm sorry. Verse five, it says, go pack and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. I will heal you. That's awesome. And I love how when, when we come to God in, in our distress, in our in our is going on in our lives and, and we just break down and cry and, and ask God, Lord, Lord, do something, Father. I need you to come right now and do something because my situation is, is over. And God sees that. God sees your heart. And, and that's what he wants. He wants us to, to humble ourselves in such a way that we can't turn for, for you know, we, we're not gonna go to, to someone else for help, to get us out of this situation, to get us out of whatever hole that we're in that we can't seem to get out of or we just just seem to make it bigger. No. The word says turn to God and trust him because he's the one that's gonna deliver you from that. He's the one who hears you. He's the one that sees all the tears that you've cried when no one else has seen. And he carries them and, and he keeps them. And when the time comes, For him, he's going to grab the sears and pour it over your situation. That's going to flourish into something good. He's going to change whatever situation you're going through. And he wants to do it. But again, we have to humble ourselves. And sometimes, yes, it's good to cry. It's good to weep. It, It says over here, King Hezekiah wept bitterly. I've been there. I've wept. I've cried. When situations don't seem to go well, and I know that only God can do something about it, that's who we need to trust. We don't, we don't put our trust in, in men. We put our trust in God, the one who can change our situation, the one who can bring back that something that's too far gone back into life. That's our God. He's the God who hears. He's the God who loves us. And again, our Father hears our prayers and sees every tear we cry. And he responds to us. That's what I love about our God. And it's it's in our brokenness where God works. Because in our weakness he's made strong. And sometimes we seem to not not notice that. Sometimes we, we just wanna not talk about our problems, not talk about our brokenness. Sometimes we're just like, ah, oh, they don't I'm same problem I'm dealing, I don't think they want to hear my problems again. But God doesn't see it that way. God wants you to come to him. God wants you to to hear your prayer. He wants to see you because he's so ready to speak life into your situation, to restore your brokenness, to bring back that that joy that he so, so, so freely gives to us. He wants that for us, and I love that. I love that about our God, that in our brokenness, God works, even when we can't see, even when, when we're asking him to do things. And sometimes we, we don't hear an answer, but we just have to sit there and listen to what he has to say. Isaiah goes back and tells, and tells Isaiah, okay, that's, that's awesome, God's gonna save me, God's gonna heal me from my, from my illness, but how will this be done? And he, he almost kind of like tests him in this, and he says, what sign am I to know that that I'm supposed to go to the temple? Or, or what sign will I know that God is true and, how, and God's going to restore my health? And he's like, well, what do you want to do? And uh, I guess the sundials were a really big thing back then. Um, I wish they still were, but they're not. But you guys know what a, a sundial is? Yes? Cool. Awesome. Um, so anyways, he, he says look, it's, it's easy for the sundial, for the shadow to, to move forward because time is always moving forward. Time doesn't go back. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll challenge God. I'll, I'll ask him to make the sundial, the shadow of it, go backwards. Ten steps. Very specific. Ten steps. So he does this, and he's like, all right, it'll be done. And verse 10, the shadow always moves forward. So he challenges God right here. Let's, that, that, that would be easy. Make it, make it go back 10 steps backwards. And Isaiah, the prophet, asked the Lord to do this and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backwards on the sundial. That's so crazy. That's awesome. I love that even though he already heard the news that he was going to be saved, that everything was going to be good, he still asked God, all right, show me. Like now I, I want to physically see it. And he asked God to, to do this for him and he does. And it's, Mind-blowing. So I love, again, how even though we've heard God's voice, we can still ask, sometimes our, our human nature is like, okay, like, I, I want to know how, when, and, and, and where that's going to happen. And we see Hezekiah doing that right there. And he does, and God restores him, and he adds not only does he save his life, but he, but he brings 15 years more to his life, and not only that, but he restores them and his kingdom, and he protects them from the from the king of uh, from, from the Assyrians that were literally on their doorstep knocking and about to overtake them. God restores them, and God protects them, which brings me, which brings me back uh, to to my own story, where where God did something. So great and so wonderful. Um, when I was uh, when I was five years old, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And uh, in my country, uh, in Central America, they they my parents are both doctors there. And this one time, you know, as a little kid, you know, playing around, I started coughing and I started having back pain. And my dad's like, "Oh, sure, let's just got some X-rays." Let's Let's see what's, what's going on with him. And when he took me to get x-rays and he turned on and see what was going on with, with my lungs, he just sat back down and he's like, I don't, I don't know what this is. But what, what, what he found was a mass all in my body where my heart's supposed to be. It, it wasn't there. Where, where the outline of my lungs are supposed to show up in a normal x-ray, they weren't there. It was just a blob. My dad's like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I need to. I need to go to, to to someone else, some some specialist, and, and tell me what this is. So so they did. They took me, to a um, oncologist in, uh, in in my country, and again they took they took the blood work. They 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 looked at the X-rays and they told my parents. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your son is is dying. And if this kid sneezes, if someone hugs him, if someone gives him a pat, it's game over. Because what, what that cancer does is it grows every 24 hours. So it was like a, like a, like a boa constrictor grabbing my heart and lungs and squeezing though. That's why I coughed, that's why I had, had the back pain. And they told my parents, look, you guys are young. He's only five years old. Just, just, just let him go, just let him die. The doctors told my parents this and my parents, they said, no, there's got to be something else. We know that there's a God that saves and there's a God that rescues. So we're going to put this in prayer and we're going to go to the States, to to, to the U.S. where where everything was going to be great and everything was going to be perfect because America would have the answer and the doctors would heal me. this is back in 1999, so the technology wasn't as far in advanced in, uh, in my home country. So we came, and it's around Christmas time, and the doctors, again, they, they, they gave, we, we went to a children's hospital in Los Angeles where my mom went to the doctors, but she didn't want to say, hey, I'm a doctor, hey, my son has this, this, this. She wanted to hear a different opinion, and sometimes we tend to do that. Sometimes we see a situation, and we want to change that, right? We don't want to accept it. We don't want to give into it. We want to hear something else. We want to see something different. We want to see a different game plan, right? And uh, so we went into the clinic. The doctors checked me out. And uh, they, they told my mom, oh, yeah, it sounds like he has a little, like, wheezing, so just give him some Claritin, and it should be fine. And my mom's like, what? Claritin? What? what? Where, where's the blood work? Where's the CT scan? Where's the x-rays? But the language was, was a barrier um, for us back then. And uh, my aunt was, was with them, and they, she explained the situation. The doctor comes back out, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, why didn't you say anything? Let me see the charts. And boom, we start moving. I start getting uh, blood work. I start getting uh, CT scans. I start getting MRIs, I, all everything. And the doctor comes back, and they're like, look. We, we wow, this is, this is stage four. Like, I don't, this kid can die right now. Um, but. We have experimental chemotherapy. And if it's okay, we would like to use your son as a, as a guinea pig. We would like to use him as, as an experiment. And my parents said, yes, let's do it. That's, that's plan B. And they did. And they told my parents, look, if you guys go this route, know that if the cancer doesn't kill him, the chemo will. So either way, I was going to die. But my parents were always always by their side, so if we can throw the picture up. There I am at five years old, Christmas time. And yeah, I started, started chemo that day. And they told my parents, look, we don't know what's gonna happen, but we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep things going. We're gonna keep things, we're gonna hit it hard and we'll, we'll go from there. And they told my parents, look, if he makes it out alive, he's gonna have problems walking. He's gonna have problems playing. He's gonna have problems seeing well. He might be blind. He's gonna have problems getting around. He won't live a normal life. And they told my parents, to look, sign this paperwork, and let's just do it. So they did, and eight months went by, and that, my hair, gone. The chemo makes you, makes you gain weight, it makes you chubby, it makes you, makes you weird. But I was having a good time, man, that's a fire truck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I had to wear a mask because any little sport, anything, that could be the end of me. But there I am, having a good time. And um, as, as the chemo progressed, as, as, as the, every morning they would check, come in, take blood, go back, uh, there was a time where, where a nurse was supposed to give me another round of chemo and she messed it up. See, she, she switched the medications out. She gave me something that I wasn't supposed to have and it gave me a brain aneurysm and that means that my brain was bleeding and I, I gave myself like a, like a seizure. My eyes rolled back, my, my limbs became all stiff and my mom saw that she's like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? And she starts yelling for the doctor, 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 come, 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 come. The doctor goes in there, looks at me, the doctor freezes. And when the doctor freezes, that's not a good sign. That's, that's not good when the doctor stops. And my mom shakes and do something. Save my son. Save him. And the doctor starts grabbing me, take me out. I go down the hallway. They're rushing and all the commotion and in everything. And my mom's just in panic mode, yelling, asking. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't understand. And then out of nowhere, this, this priest comes, comes in. And immediately goes to my mom and in Spanish says, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Pray for my son because he's dying. Pray for him because I I don't know what's going to happen. And he's like, yes. So he goes behind me and the doctors are rushing me. And this man, my mom says, that he prays with such authority, with such power, with with such emotion that he goes out there, he's down the hallways yelling and proclaiming life over me saying, God, save him, and he goes behind the doctors, they go in the doors, they close, my mom sees them, she goes into the waiting room, and in about an hour or so, I come back out. And it's the, the other picture. I come back out with the doctor, and I'm smiling, I'm having a time, I'm asking for Sprite and Doritos and all that good stuff, and the doctor's like, I, I don't know what happened. I, the, the, he, he came back alive. He's fine now. Like His blood pressure's normal. His heart's okay. His brain activity is fine. We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. And here you go. Like, just, just watch him. If anything else happens, let us know. But he's fine. And my mom's like, oh, thank you, thank you. She gets someone else to ask him where that priest was, where, where that pastor that came and prayed for me. She wanted to talk to him. And the doctor said, what are you talking about? What priest? What do you know? Like, mom, it was right there. They were praying in a a loud voice. He went with you guys. He put his hands on you. Where is he? I want to to talk to him. Ma'am, there's no one here. In fact, there hasn't been here someone to pray over over the, the, the children in the last five years. I don't know who you're talking about. So God sent someone. God sent someone to pray over me. So says, I need to go save Javi, go do something. It's not his time yet. It's not his time yet. And I love, in our distress and in this moment, you take it back to, to Hezekiah, where, where it says that, that he wept bitterly. And still he said, Lord, I've been good to you. I've been good to you. Remember me. And my parents, that's something I always remember, is them being on their bedside, on their knees. They didn't care if nurses were over them. They didn't care if doctors were trying to do stuff. They were always on their knees asking God, Father, if it's your will, please save him. If it's your will, please restore my son to health. And if it's not, Lord, take him. Take him, he's yours. And I can I can't imagine that prayer being prayed for, for your for your child, your son. For my parents to pray that prayer and in, in trusting God that He was gonna do something. That's that's what faith does sometimes, you know. Fear sets in our hearts. And what does fear do? It paralyzes us. It, it, it almost makes us go into panic. If not, sometimes we do go in panic. Ah, what's going on? We freak out. And we start abandoning the faith of resurrection. We start abandoning what God has done and what his word says. Forget about that. Because we set into panic. We go into panic mode. We don't know what to do. We, we don't know who to talk to. We don't know how to pray anymore. And the prognosis is far gone when you tell someone else, you know what? Just don't pray for it anymore, because it's done. It's gone. You can't get back from it. It doesn't, have, it doesn't even have to be a story about cancer. It can be a story about, about I don't know, your grades, your parents' relationships, your, your own relationship with friends, your, your whatever it may be, your, your addiction that you may have. And you keep praying, and sometimes you don't hear anything. But that doesn't mean that God's not listening. That doesn't mean that God's not seeing your tears. That doesn't mean that God doesn't hear or, or feel your pain. That's not what that means. God's always with us. God is always ready to, to, to jump in with us. But that's when we have to trust him. That's when we have to allow, allow him to come in and speak into our lives. Had Hezekiah just received the news and just been like, well... I mean, I was king, and I, I knew that we were going to get taken over by the Assyrians. Yeah, we messed up. Good. We, this is God's discipline for us? So be it. That's not what he does. Though. I mean, I, I believe if he would have said, if, if, if he would have not trusted God and asked him and prayed to do something, maybe that would have been it. The, the verse would have been a lot shorter and Hezekiah was terminally ill, and he passed away. And the Assyrians took over. No, that's not it, though. God is a game changer. God is the one that gives the final say. He is the one that gives the final word to something. And back to my story, where the doctors told my parents, look, there's no way. There's no way that, that, that your son is going to make it out alive. If the chemo isn't going to kill him, the cancer will. E- either way, I was going to die. But then God, again, so faithfully restores me and and he gives me back that life in that moment where where that priest came and prayed for me. Six months later, um, as as I'm progressing with the chemo and all the checkups, they do one final checkup on me and they said, look, we're gonna take x-rays and see, see how much the tumors had reduced, if they'd reduced, and if so, surgery, radiation, or chemo? They went in, they took x-rays, and they called they called my parents in, and they said, hey, we want you guys to see this, and we want to ask you guys a question. Do you guys want to stay here, or do you guys want to go back to your home country? Mom, and, and everything that's going on, she's like, Oh my gosh, it didn't work. Like maybe like if, if if it didn't work then then at least we can take him back alive and we can bury him in our country. And my dad asked the doctor, Doctor, what's going on? Let's 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 see the x rays. What did you find? And the doctor throws up the x rays and uh, he sees all, all my tumors are there and uh, he he turns on the new ones that they just took, and there was nothing there. There was nothing there at all. The tumors had gone, they disappeared, they were gone. The doctor said, look, I ran the test five times, and I can't find the cancer. I don't know where it is. It's not in his blood, it's not in his lungs, it's not in his brain. There's no sign that this kid ever had cancer, and I don't know why. I don't know why. But that's, why, that's, that's my question to you guys what, what, what do you guys want to do do you guys want to stay here do you guys want to go back to your country because right now I'm declaring this kid cancer free and my mom they both sat down just praised God for what he had done because we live by faith and not by sight and sometimes things, things look bad things look really bad and we don't know what to do We can always pray. We can always trust God that he's going to change our situation and turn it into something good. Just like Hezekiah where he prayed. Where someone told him, hey, look, you have this situation. You're going to die. He didn't freak out. He prayed. He trusted God because he knew who God was. He knew what he has done and what he will continue to do because he's God yesterday, today, and forever. That's something about God's nature and character. He never changes who he is. And sometimes we, we, again, we abandon the faith of resurrection. If we believe that Jesus can restore something and he can, God has the power to bring something back to life, and we start doubting that, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. And that's the thing that, that again, we always, always always can trust God to do something no matter what the situation is so as as the doctors were telling my parents this they said look we want to continue with the chemo the only reason why we want to do that is because we want to make sure that we got everything but again there's a risk if we do this he's going to lose his ability to walk because we're going to hit his nervous system he might be in a wheelchair. He, he might use crutches for the rest of, of his life. Are you guys okay with that? And my parents in faith said, I know that our God has restored him, but doctor, you do what you have to do. Go for it. And they did. And another, another six months went by, and they said, look, maybe maybe with, with intense physical therapy, maybe, your son will be a- able to walk. I was walking by day three. I was up and walking by day three, and I remember it so clearly where I think we have another picture with Dr. Anderson. Let's, let's see. There we go. There I am. And he grabs me by the hand, and he starts taking me down the hallways and saying, look, Javier's ru- running. Javier's running by day three. Things may seem impossible for us, when, when that prognosis is, is crazy, when, 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 when thoughts start invading our mind and it clouds our vision and it clouds our, 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 our way of, of viewing God because it's something that we see and it's tangible. The God works in secret. God, God works in the unseen and he does things amazing and he made me walk by day three. And science can't explain that. God can God's good, God's good. And one of the verses that that, my, that was given uh, to my parents when I was in the midst of, of, of all the sickness, it's, in, it's found in Isaiah 38, 16. And again, this is Isaiah 30, 38. You see, again, the story of Hezekiah. But it's, it's Hezekiah's poem. It's a prayer that he writes out to God. And in verse 16, it says, Oh, Lord, by these things men live. And in all of this is the life of my spirit. Lord, restore me to health and let me live. And that was, that was a moment where, where they knew that I was gonna be okay, that, that I was gonna be saved, that, that God was gonna do something amazing. He was gonna restore me to health and let me live. And by God's grace, here I am, 18 years later, completely cancer-free. And it's by his grace and his goodness that I can stand here before you guys and say that God is good, that God is real, that God can, can, can bring back something from the dead, that God can restore something that's, that's gone, that this world has says no, God says yes. And we have to believe that. And we trust that God is going to It's going to come through for us. But again, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We have to humble our hearts and know and trust that God's going to be good to us. How do we do that? How do we do that? Hezekiah here, it says, I was a faithful king who trusts God. Are we being faithful in, God's, in, in, in the midst of what we're going through? Are we going to throw in the towel and say, no more, I don't want this anymore? Or are we going to faithfully trust the God of angel armies, the God who hears, the God who listens, the God who loves us? Are we going to put our trust in him? I do. Because I've seen him do amazing things, not only in my lives, but the life of my family and friends. And especially in this book. This book is good. This book is alive. This book is filled with promises. And they're not just for me. They're, they're, they're for everyone. They're for you guys. And you take a moment in, in any, anywhere in the Bible, you can dive in and you see God's goodness displayed in all of his wonder and all of his splendor. And every time he comes through, every time he restores Every time he heals, every time he takes care of his people, and the people who trust him, and the people who love him, and the people who are willing to go down on their knees and ask, Lord, do something, because in my own strength, I can't. And again, I love that in Matthew 17, if you, guys, if you guys have the faith the size of a mustard seed, a little, little baby, a little tiny, tiny bit of faith, if you have that amount of faith, you can tell that mountain to move and it'll go. And that mountain can be whatever situation you guys are going through. That mountain can be anything that is, is hindering yourself or that's festering inside of you that won't allow you to look to God because that mountain is too big and is casting too big of a shadow. And it won't let you guys see but the Bible says, if you guys have this faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move, and it will move. That much. Tiny bit of faith. Little bit. And God will work with that. God can work with that. And I love that. So, <clears throat> I have a question for, for you guys. You guys can can write it down. Um, there's there's uh, pens and paper under your seats. And here's 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 my question to you guys: Where in your life do you want God to step in and rescue you from that cancer? Where do you want God to pour into your life and bring back something that for you, in your eyes, in your mind, is is too far gone? Where do you want God to come in and rescue you? As we continue in our time of response and worship, as we sing to God and we give our tithes and we come into communion together, let's celebrate Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are a God who hears, who listens, and loves us. Thank you that you are a God that responds. Thank you that you are a God who cares for us. Thank you that you are a God that will change a situation that for us it's too far gone. You can make happen. You're a game changer. And Father, you, you alone have the final word. You alone can move mountains and father lord i pray that as as we give our our burdens to you father that that we feel your love and your goodness just overflow and as holy spirit come father we love you love you